Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm in the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to Capital Club Podcast. Today I have with me Sherry Deutschman. Sherry, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you. Absolutely. So Sherry was the founder of Health Revenue Cycle Company at RiderLogic, a company she sold in 2016. In 2019, she launched Brain Trust, a peer-to-peer learning organization for women entrepreneurs to help them grow and scale their businesses. Sherry and her husband, Mark, are somebody who I have held in high regard myself and have seen just grow success upon success. So I'm excited to have you join me and I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning my husband too. Uh, He and I are very competitive. And when we were dating, you know, we, we started sharing a lot of, uh, you know, asking each other questions about uh, our respective businesses on every date. And I I think that's probably while we're, while we're together, but during like the first several years we were together, we had a dramatic increase in our net worth. And I think it was because of us pushing each other and being so competitive. So, so let's go there. Wildly successful business people on, it, on your own rights. You all have, you know, different businesses. Mark is in real estate. You had this healthcare company. And it's interesting, we had coffee, we got introduced by a mutual friend. You're in Nashville, which is always really fun to have somebody in my backyard. And I knew you as a successful businesswoman who had had a very nice exit. And when we met, it was mostly about brain trust. And we did the pre-call, you really didn't want to talk much about your business. You wanted to focus on brain trust. And I just found that really interesting. Given the success you had and the exit you had, 
Was it just immediately that you wanted to move into brain trust? Did you want to take some time off? Was this something that you'd always dreamed about pursuing? No, heck, in, in hindsight, I wish that I'd taken some time off. Um, I didn't. In fact, I as soon as I sold the company, I was on several boards and I just started saying yes to everybody, uh, people that I've been saying no to. And I, and I, I launched, had a you know, beta for brain trust and I launched it officially in 2019, but um, I haven't taken much time off in all those years. And I'm in my 60s and a little bit tired, so I wish that I had <laughs> taken a year off. But you know, I, I, I love talking about Letter Logic, that first company, because our success was so surprising to everybody, especially me. I have only a high school education. I had no money. I mean, I'm just the most unlikely success story. And yet, I think what I'm doing now with Brain Trust is the most important work I've done in my life. It's the hardest and the most rewarding. So that's, you know, I wanted to talk about it. But uh, I've been interviewed a lot about the success of Letter Logic. And um, I mean, I, I think it was important. And the reason we were successful was all wrapped around empathy as a leader. And yet, I'm just really passionate about the vision of, and mission of Brain Trust right now. So we've referenced it a few times. Could you maybe give us the rundown on, on what the organization stands for and, and what the mandate is? Yeah. So Brain Trust is a peer-to-peer -peer membership for women entrepreneurs to help them get to that what I consider a pivotal million in annual revenue mark. There are about 13 million women business owners in the U.S., and less than 2% of them ever get to a million. And, and yet when they can get to that million-dollar mark, then they can start attracting investors. They can start paying themselves a decent salary. Uh, they you know, have several employees, and they can start building wealth and getting out of generational poverty and creating some generational wealth. And then through their businesses, you know, I think, you know, develop a megaphone uh, to try to change the world and make it a better place. It's certainly being an entrepreneur helped me, uh, gave me a megaphone. I mean, I've been on some incredible stages to share my viewpoints about leadership. And that only happened because I had a successful business. You're very careful to make the distinction in your literature that it's not a networking organization. Right. Could you maybe tease that out a little bit for us, why that's so important? It's one of the first things in the manifesto about what the organization stands for. I, personally, I really hate networking, and I think most of it is a waste of time. And I did not want women to join thinking that that's what this was going to be. This you know, is a serious, heads down, heart open platform for women to bring their biggest problems in business and their biggest opportunities to the table and to get, you know, first of all, clarifying questions from the other members in their group, and then to get the real lived experiences of those other women related to that problem. And networking is a natural byproduct that just happens organically, but I did not want women to come in with that mindset. So what is the problem that it is solving, in your opinion. You have some incredible, you mentioned one, you referenced some of these statistics, but you know, I'll, I'll list some of them on the website. You know, women in the United States are starting over 
1,100 businesses a day at the rate of over 47 per hour, which is more than double the national average for men. And there are more, I'm sure you know them off the top of your head, but given all of this momentum and energy, what is this problem that Braintrust is solving to get these women to that next level that you mentioned? A couple of things. Uh, first, we don't know what we don't know. And so when we bring the women together, we put a, a member in a group of seven. So she's with six other women who are nothing like her. So we put them in, them in a group based on how different they are from one another. So we want them to have very different um, educational backgrounds, different industries, different ages, different ages of the business, different a point in the revenue cycle, the revenue uh, life, so that they have the richness of experiences and knowledge to share. And so a woman might be, maybe she's an outsourced CFO and she's growing her business steadily, but she's having a problem with uh, marketing. There will be another person in her group that excels at marketing so she can share that experience and help her see her blind, uh, blind spots. I think that's really important. And then another factor is just accountability. So as to my knowledge, we're the only group like ours in the world that requires that the members come to the monthly meeting having to report their revenue from the previous month. So you can't pretend you've got a thriving business when you don't. And if you remain stagnant month after month, when everybody knows we're in there to grow so that we can scale eventually, then they're going to call you out. They're going to hold you accountable uh, to the goals and KPIs. And as a, no matter what stage you are as a business owner, as a CEO, there are few people to hold you accountable. You know, unless you're a public company or you, you're a company that has a board of directors, there's nobody there. And so this group of women serves as your board and they hold you accountable. And, you know, I love, uh, you know, seeing in one group, you've got somebody that's complaining six months in a row about their sales manager. And then finally, somebody says, quit wasting our time talking about him. If you're not going to do anything about it, move on. And that, you know, propels the person to say, gosh, I am consuming a lot of time and energy, you know, working on this one problem. And all I have to do is get rid of him and replace him. So that, that accountability factor is just huge. Yeah, it's interesting. After I had coffee with you, and I've been doing some homework on the website and digesting some of the material you provided. And you seem to have pulled threads from EO, YPO, Tiger 21, a number of these peer-to-peer -peer development organizations uh, for high-achieving people. And the one that I like the most is the philosophy backstopping the brain trust is experience share will help shorten that learning curve. Exactly. And, and I think especially with with women, it can oftentimes, oftentimes in the room, it can feel like they're being told things, right? And it's very hard for us to learn that way. We think it's a good way to teach people, but it's not. And, and YPO has taught me that even just modifying your speech and saying, we really want to say, you need to do this. Instead, being empathetic and saying, I hear what you're saying. Why don't I share an experience I had that might be helpful for you? And then you tell your story. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of similarities there. There are. You know, I, I am a member of EO and I'm a, um, a big fan of the whole EO system. I was also um, a member of WPO, which is the Women's Presidents Organization. 
And they operate similarly. I took the best of what I saw in both those organizations and some other CEO roundtables that I was a part of and got rid of things I didn't like and 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 started Brain Trust. And uh, so far, it's really working. But you know what? The, the catalyst at, at the um, for me starting Brain Trust really was a situation where I dropped out of EO. I um, I think my company was at about thirty five million in revenue, had no debt, was going great. I just didn't feel like I needed EO any longer, and I had too much on my plate, so I dropped out of everything and decided I would add back only the things that I really needed. And uh, it, it was during the final days of selling my company that I was uh, felt betrayed by an employee, and I had nowhere to go, nobody to talk with about it, and so I let. Uh, a local EO member, I told him what was going on. And he said, well, c- call your forum, your EO forum. And I'm like, you have one. And he said, what? Oh, I, said, I dropped out a few years ago. And he said, well, that was stupid, but hold on. And in just a second, he convened all of his uh, members of his forum and told them to come to my house. Um, these people dropped what they were doing, came to my house, went through this process with me where where I told them exactly where I was and what had happened. And how critical it was, especially the timing when I'm getting offers to sell my comp- to buy my company. And uh, they helped me through it. And I rejoined EO that day saying, I don't ever want to be without, you know, a group of peers to help me through these critical problems. And that really goes to the beginning of the conversation where even professional, educated women who have maybe left the workforce it can it can often feel, I know my wife has this feeling socially, that you might have a lot of friends, but you don't have that trusted professional cohort of people that you can reach out to when you're struggling through a business challenge. And that, it, it seems like that's what the vault is, is meant to do, is to provide what is missing from a lot of women's lives. Absolutely. You know, you, we all have friends, but you know, when I first, especially when I started my first company, my friends did not understand, you know, why I would give up a six figure job (laughs) after coming from a time when, when I, you know, first arrived in Nashville, I didn't have enough money to pay the light bill and daycare. So I did without electricity and my friends knew that. And for me to go from that to a six figure job to quitting, to start my own business in my basement, they thought I was nuts. And I could not talk to them about, you know, the problems that I was having. And they don't care whether or not I I can make payroll. They just care care whether or not I can meet them for an expensive dinner on Friday night. So having a group of women who are experiencing the same things or have at one time experienced it it is a game changer. And, and, you know, to to experience share, we'll kind of go down this way. One of the reasons I love YPO is I like to walk in the room and be the least motivated person there. (laughs) and. It, it it seems like, you know, one plus one equals three in a lot of these situations and settings and in a healthy way, right? It has to be framed up correctly, but these, these cohorts can really push people to achieve some pretty incredible things. Could, obviously it's confidential, which I understand, but could you maybe share some stories or anecdotes about what you've seen? I think you've been doing this for three, four years now. Yeah. What's this, what's that been like? 
Well, I do not attend the meetings with these women. So we have them, um, they're self-moderated. So I don't know, and I couldn't share with you if I did, because everything is totally confidential. But I'll tell you that, you know, one of the things that I spend a lot of my time doing is helping the women get funded. So, I mean, funding for women is a huge problem. And so, although that's not, you want, on our website, you won't see anything about that. Uh, that is how I spend a lot of my time meeting with potential investors and then showing them four or five that I think are appropriate for them. And you know, one of the most gratifying right now is a woman who has a really fantastic business idea and actually some patents that um, can make her a billionaire. And so I was able to make just a few phone calls for her and help her find a team of engineers um, to help her build the prototypes. And then also um, another call for with someone who is telling her, don't worry about funding. We've got that covered for you. So um, that's pretty gratifying. So what is the biggest challenge there in terms of, of, of getting, you know, female owned women led businesses funded today? Well, let me get, can I give you some of the stats? So I think there were like just in venture capital, 300 and change billion dollars invested uh, last year in the U.S. But women got 2% of that. Women of color got one third of 1% of that. And yet the data so you would think, well, women don't get funding because they aren't building good enough companies and they're not investable. And that's just bull. Um, there have been a couple of studies over the last few years that totally decimated that that suggestion. So there was um, first round capital. That is the company that funded Warby Parker and Uber in the early days, um, hence their name, first round capital. Um, they studied this and just looked at th their investments and determined that the ROI for women founders was about 63% higher than men. And then the Kaufman Foundation said at least 38% better. And then there was this incredible study with a lot of detail with uh, the Boston Consulting Group who looked at just this one uh, VC firm and followed them over a five-year period. I think it was a group of VCs. And at the end of the five years found out that the women they'd invested in had 10% greater revenue. But the women had gotten just a fraction of the money. And so they extrapolated to determine if they had split that funding equally, 50% to men, 50% to women over that five-year period, they would have made $85 million more. The data shows that, that women are a good bet. And yet we still aren't getting the funding. It's, it's maddening. So I'm, I'm trying to change that. I'm, I'm doing my part by investing. I've invested in 20 plus women-owned businesses and, and then, you know, this huge investment I'm making in brain trust, but, and just trying to bring attention to it and trying to shine the light on women that are, that are just killing it so people can see them. Then there are great opportunities there and I need to open my eyes. And, you know, if, even if they looked at it selfishly, you're missing a lot of really good deals because you aren't looking for women. And I'm sure it's multifaceted, but is it in part just people want to invest with people that look like themselves? And so many of these venture capital and private equity groups are run by white men? Yes, it is. 
So there, there is a, there's quite a few now organizations that, that are mostly women uh, and VC and, and, and private equity that are looking to invest in just women. There's a Golden Seed in New York that invests only in women. And so there, there, there are people who are trying to change it. But I think there's just societal biases. I think it was Ernst and & Young, and I, I wish that I had the exact stats, that, uh, not stats, a story about you know this investor saying that he thought that the, that the men who came in to present to him had a little too much swagger. And yet um, the women who came in to pitch that had the same amount of swagger, he thought they were, um, you know, he just really wanted them to tone it down and not be so braggadocious. And it is invested in the men, even though he believed that the, the, wom- the women had a better business, had better business acumen. It was just a- about the swagger. It's crazy. So just the, the the nomenclature that we associate with, you know, confidence in a man versus a woman, it goes back to those societal norms that have been ingrained in our culture for a long time, right? So when you when you have been doing these fundraising efforts, when you're on the roadshow or making these phone calls, do you purposely seek out women investors? Or, I mean, is that... Are there enough of them to call, I guess, is the question. Uh, is that changing? Have you seen it change since you've been in business? There is a growing number, uh, yes. So I think it's dr- growing dr- dramatically. I'm not specifically seeking them out. I'm just trying to build a database of, of open-minded investors and I'm you know, building a, a database of exactly specifically what they like to invest in and at what stage so I don't waste their time. And I don't waste the time of the founder taking her to somebody who's not ultimately going to be interested. I'm being very uh, careful with the the introductions. So let's go back and and talk about kind of the format. So this is seven people per cohort. You meet once a month. Yes. I'm I'm sure similar to EOYPO. You're not allowed to miss. Can't be late. You have to show up prepared. Yes. How do you indoctrinate this this training do you have somebody who's the who's spinning up these cohorts and is taking lead for 12 months and they cycle through i'm curious what the the details are so we do a so now after learning the hard way do a pretty significant vetting process uh serious application and checking the references and then an interview to see if there's really a a fit if somebody is um let's say a, a learn it all Versus a know-it-all. So we've had a lot of women, especially in the coaching world, who say, I want to join. I love coaching women. They're not going to get in. We don't want that mindset. So once we go through that process, then we do train them in our unique way of, of running a peer-to-peer organization, a peer-to-peer table. And we stick with them. We have a, a, a member internally who does the training and then stays with them for the first three meetings. And then they're on their own, although we will come back in as they need us. And then we provide, much like YPO and EO, we provide um, subject matter experts to them. So if they're having problems in a particular discipline, they have a list of people to call to bring in to help them with a particular problem. How many um, how many cohorts are there today? And, and what's the geographic dispersion look like? So far, there are 17 in Nashville. 
and uh, a couple that are uh, virtual. We've tried and virtual is hard. You know, it's, you know, the hours, the meetings are four hours long and it's just hard for anybody to concentrate that long. And uh, we are launching in Atlanta in January. So just planning for that launch now. That will be our second city. And, you know, we plan to be a, a national organization taking this everywhere there's interest. But we're focusing on the high uh, cities that have a high, high number of uh, entrepreneurs. And what does it look like behind the scenes? What is the actual Brain Trust staff, the executive organization? Obviously, you're running the show, but I assume you've got a team of, of talented people. And I assume they're all women, but I don't know. What, what, is, the, what is the situation? They are all uh, women currently, although we do have uh, a man who helps us on the IT side. He's built and sold a couple of big IT companies, and he helps us um, with our decision-making when it comes to our technology that we built out. So I am kind of the face of the company, and I am not systems and processes driven. I'm kind of fly by the seat of my pants. So we have a, a woman who is a certified scaling up coach who just actually just has great teaching ability. And she is our COO and uh, in the near future will become our CEO. And she does the training. We have another woman who is in business development, um, which we just added that role this year. And then another woman who leads all, you know, the business, uh, the typical uh, business and admin stuff. And we have a couple of open positions now. Uh, we're right now outsourcing our marketing, but we'd love to bring that in-house at one point. And then, uh, you know, a member relationship management person, somebody who can actually, you know, follow through with the individual members to make sure they're getting what they wanted to get out of it. The process is working. You know, so I told you that 2% of women get to a million, but we're in our just beginning of our third year here, halfway through our third year, and already 12% of our members have made it to a million. One of our members joined us pre-revenue, and she now has $1.4 billion, with a B, in assets under management. And uh, she won't leave. She says, These, this, this vault is what helped me get there, and I'm not leaving, uh, which is something I didn't expect. I really thought that women would get to a million and they would run off to EO or WPO, and they haven't. Um, so we've had to form another group called the Key Club. Uh, for women who vaults for women who are over that point. So they range from a million to we've got a member joining now at a hundred million in revenue. So this will be, we're just adding our third key club vault. So th the process is working and it's just incredible to see their support for one another. Well, and that was going to be my next question. Sorry. You know, membership organizations are a virtuous cycle, right? You get incredibly talented, motivated people that do incredible things and they want to be part of a better organization. So they push everybody else and then they bring in their own people. What has that push-pull been like from a membership perspective? I'm sure initially you reached out to people that you knew personally, but now the organization's gone beyond that first degree of connectivity. Is it you talked about biz dev, but is it still word of mouth introductions from current members finding other talented women to bring into the fold? It is a lot, although we just have really started an aggressive um, marketing campaign using social media. And for the first time, we're seeing some traction with that. So what we do in that arena is just invite them to what we call the lowdown. 
which is an event uh, usually in my home where we invite women to come by, have a cocktail with these other women business owners, hear how the process works, ask your questions, and then hang out with these other women who are already there and active and get their real feedback for you know how it's working for them. How do you gauge success within this organization yourself personally? Uh, in a couple of ways. I think already it's been successful. So if, if we had to shut down today, seeing these women that have broken that barrier, and it's not even just about a million in revenue. It is about growing their businesses to the point where it can help them achieve their goals. You know, it's uh, one of the most gratifying stories is a member who joined saying, I don't care about getting to a million. I just want to make enough money so my husband can retire. She said he's in corporate America. It's killing him. And I've got to make enough money so he can quit. So she, her business had been in, she'd been in business 30 years, flat revenue for 10 years. And she joined Brain Trust and her vault helped her determine how to get out of that rut. And she doubled her revenue that year. Her husband retired eight months later. So it was nothing that I did. It was her group helping her fix what was wrong in her business. And she just changed the model a little bit, actually changed her offering and focused in on what a niche client, which is where she made her money and which ironically was her most enjoyable type client. Want to learn more about investing in alternatives? Get started by joining the Capital Club, where you'll get exclusive access to alternative investment opportunities, premium content and education, and an affinity peer-to-peer network of industry professionals. You can sign up by going to our website at www.excelsiorgp.com. When you plan on unrolling this out geographically, you said Atlanta, you have to be careful with growth in these organizations to maintain that quality. Yeah. Do you have a, do you identify a local champion within that market? But obviously the first cohort is really important. So how did you go about doing that? Well, um, it was still in process. So, you know, I first reached out to Ernst & Young, EY, who, you know, just so good about supporting entrepreneurship. And they made some critical introductions for me there. And I will lean on them heavily. And uh, those introductions they made for me also were just creating a network and tentacles. And it's it's a little scary. In Nashville, I'm well-known. And so getting started here, uh, we know it's going to be easier than Atlanta where nobody knows who Sherry DeWitchman is. So it's not about me. Uh, And I'm beginning to see, like in Nashville, the last three or four people, uh, three or four groups that have joined, I don't know those women individually. If if they walked in the door right now, I wouldn't know them. We're just getting too big. Uh, So that gives me hope that we can take this to other cities and be fine without my, without them knowing who I am. <laughs> well, and that, that's kind of where I'm going here. You, you're almost a victim of your own success. You, you had this exit, you went right back into service and you can't help yourself from creating another entrepreneurial venture, but at some point you need to have it be self-sustaining if it's going to grow. Right. And so as, as a business owner that's gone through full cycle, how do you think about setting up the organization internally to allow yourself to step away and, and, and it continue to grow? Well, that's exactly why I hired the person that I hired 
to lead the organization now because she uh, she has the business acumen, but also I mean she's a very strong presence and she can definitely be CEO. Um, I, I'm in my 60s and I would like not to work as hard as I'm working. And I will swear to you, this is the hardest work I've ever done. You know, dealing with people, individuals, and making them all happy and trying to address everybody's needs is is really hard work. And that, so that's interesting. This has been the hardest work you've ever done. Do you think it's because you care so much? Uh, perhaps, you know, I do have a place where I want to solve everybody's problems. And I, I would love to sit with every member and help them individually map out a way to make their business more successful. But there are two things that ha- hamper me there. I don't have the knowledge. I'm not a business coach. I just happen to have built a successful business. So I'm not qualified to coach them. And two, I'm going to die from empathy. Really, all my tombstone will be death by empathy uh, because I so want to jump in and help everybody, and I can't. And so that's why the peer-to-peer part of this is so incredible, so they can help each other. Are you in a vault yourself? I'm not in a vault, but I'm still an EO. (laughs) I I had my EO meeting this week, and uh, I'm the moderator for the first time in a year. I mean, I've never been before, and so they forced me to do that. It's a lot of work. It is. Yeah. It is, but uh, it's a great experience, and I love my my EO forum. What's the biggest surprise been for you now that you're three years into the journey with Brain Trust? A uh, biggest surprise for me is having to relearn lessons that I thought I'd learn. I jumped in and started and spent a lot of money building out technology for our member portal. And uh, didn't consult with anybody. I just hired a firm and said, this is what I want. And they built it. And uh, and then I had a friend who reviewed it. And he, he broke my heart telling me, you built something fantastic. You've got a Lamborghini. And all you needed was a used Honda. And so you've spent a lot of money uh, unnecessarily. And this custom Lamborghini you have built is going to take a lot of maintenance and a lot of parts that are custom also every year. And so I had to shut that down and start from scratch and build something that was uh, more of a, a Honda model. And uh, it was, you know, I knew that. I mean, I, I had a letter logic, you know, was very tech heavy and I had made some similar mistakes. And I think that often I see it with other entrepreneurs, you skip steps. Your second and third time around because you get all faulty and think, oh, I got this. I know what I'm doing now uh, and make the same darn mistake. That's been the most painful so far, but I'm sure there will be more. <laughs> there's, there, there's always more. And, and what was, what was a big win early on? When did you, was there a moment when you thought, okay, this has legs. This, this might actually be something special. I think just the very first groups. Uh, first of all, I I planned to it initially to be for all women in business, and so the first beta was they were mixed the first two, and then realized that women who work for a big corporation don't have the same worries. If you're not having to work on making sure you can make payroll, you don't have the same concerns. And so I had to drop trying to service those women and just focus just on entrepreneurs and just seeing the way they melded, which I thought they would do, 
from so many different backgrounds and um, ethnicities and the way they stuck together like glue. I don't know that it was one particular moment, but it was just the realization, oh my gosh, this is working. And then to get their numbers, it was right during COVID, we had to have what we call our first Paysetter Award, where we celebrate the woman who grew by the greatest percentage, the woman who grew added the most employees, the woman who grew by the highest dollar volume. And we had to do it on Zoom. And to see them celebrating each other and not being envious of the ones who won. Uh, and even on Zoom, you could see the joy and like, I'm part of something special. And I think our whole team, we all got, you know, goosebumps at night. It was like thinking, well, wow, this, this, we're building something really special. I mean, it's incredible the work you're doing, especially considering your personal situation. You don't need to be doing this and you're having a huge impact. Thank you. If people are, are thinking to themselves, that might be a fit. What are the requirements? What does the process look like? Is there an application or do you be invited? What does that look like? There's an application, but first we want you to come to one of those lowdowns, whether you're there virtually, we prefer that you be there in person so we can all kind of fill you out. And then just being able to see you interact with other people to see if you're somebody that has the listening skills that are necessary. And then from there, the, the applic physical application and the interview process. So, that, you know, the, the first thing is just to go to our website and ask to be invited to a lowdown or to email me directly. Sherry, I want to come to a lowdown. And I see. You, yeah, sorry. Well, you mentioned business coaches as something that's not a fit. I'm curious after doing this for a while, what are the red flags that you see, especially in person, that you say, this person's probably not a great fit for a vault? So I'll let me back up and say we have some fantastic business coaches who are members. And but it's those who come in with that mindset of, oh, this is a great group of women that I can help. Right. People whose businesses aren't viable. So early on, I did not take the, if they said they had a good business and it was fine, I let them become members to the detriment of the other women because they didn't have the experience or the, ten, not, not the tenacity, what's the word? Serious intent that made them driven enough to sit at that table and to provide real value. And some of those, I might offend somebody here, but some of those, their businesses were a little too woo-woo and just didn't have the ability to, to sustain even that person, much less get to the point where they could ever hire an employee or make any real money. And I believe that you have to do well before you can do good. So I try to get women, some women come in with these great aspirations of saving the world with this idea. And if it can't make money, they should not be a member of this organization, because I believe once you start making money, then you have the ability to give back in a much bigger way. So we're focused on women who want to make money. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I'm on my wife's urging. I'm reading, listening to William McCaskill's Effective Altruism book, and it talks just about this exact situation where oftentimes you can do more good by just giving more. And so you should pursue a high paying job or, or be an entrepreneur because ultimately, as opposed to necessarily being uh, a healthcare provider, 
you can actually have a, a deeper impact. And so it's really changed the way I think about my business and, and other people's businesses as well. So I'm glad that you are having that conversation internally. We're bumping up against time. I want to be mindful of your schedule. This has been awesome. Before we do uh, some of the content information, a question I've started asking people as my business has grown, you have a lot on your plate. Your business is, is doing very well. What's the daily practice that you have found brings you peace in your life? Getting out to walk five miles a day. You know, I try to get three miles before I go to work. I was taking phone calls during that time. And then I realized that just kind of amped up my stress. And just over, you know, the last month or so, I thought, oh, I should be just using this as quiet time to walk in, in, in the quiet and think sometimes to listen to a podcast and not just jump right into to phone calls. But that time, getting some vitamin D outside and um, getting some exercise, clearing my head is a, is a good practice. Perfect. Sherry, I want to thank you for making the time to join us and kudos to all the work you're doing. It's incredible. If people are interested in learning more about the work Blaine Trust is doing, we'll include the link in the show notes. But what's the best way for them to find out more? Email me directly at Sherry D, S-H-E-R-R-Y-D, at um, ourbraintrust.org. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Capital Club. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.